I dreaming? Or was it you? It was warm, romantic, and we were alone. Let's talk it over. You can call right now. Just you and me. Nobody else. $4.99 per minute. Must be 18 or older. Four adults only. I'm not dreaming. This is just a fantasy. Or is it? Welcome to the Cinematic Void Podcast. Cinematic Void is a cult film series that hosts screenings in the Los Angeles area as well as virtually. I'm your host, Jim Branscombe, and joining me as always is... Hey, it's Nick Vance, Paranoid Futures. Uh, you can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. If you want to support The Void, you can consider joining our Patreon. What's up, Jim? How you been, man? What's going on? I don't know. It's, it's been... I'd say it's been a strange June so far, don't you think? You've been you've been projecting more, dude. It's been you know what it's been is fucking. Uh, uh, here's something mundane for you. It's been so fucking cloudy every goddamn day, dude. I'm just waiting for the Sunday to come out. It's coming out Tuesday. I'm I'm on it. You're on it. I'm on the case. The sun <laughs> will be back out on Tuesday. I'm fucking sick of this shit. But I mean, uh, so that's that's what's up with June. It's just been a cloudy, gloomy, fucking. I don't know. Busy. I mean, I kind of appreciate not having to use air conditioning yet because, like, this time last year, like, May, yeah. it was, like, fucking 100 degrees or whatever it was. So it's like, I'm enjoying the temperature. Yeah, I would like to have a little more sunshine, vitamin D, just because, like, it's better for morale. And it's like I, you know, moved from the East Coast to not be in this kind of, you know, June gloom bullshit. And here we are, fucking global warming, June gloom here. I guess I'll have to move back to the East Coast because apparently it's fucking like 90, 80, 90 degrees there and it's fucking sunny. They're just hanging out on the fucking beach over there. Oh, yeah, man. Shit, man. They're already hitting Ocean City. Down at Danny Asian. Baltimore contingent. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess some other things are going on. We we went to another show. Yeah, dude. We saw fucking No Pressure, Koyo, Fleshwater. I don't know. Illusion played uh, as well. But I, th- I think we probably went for Fleshwater and Koyo and No Pressure. But it's cool to see them. Goddamn, No Pressure was so good. I was just watching videos yesterday. Of the show? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget the... Sorry, I can't shout out the uh, the person that's putting up the, the videos. But there's, like, full, like, nice pro videos. Um, but, yeah, real real sick. I don't know. Who was your... What do you, what do you think? I mean, I think it was a great show all around. Like, you know, I, Fleshwater was... It was good. I yeah. mean... They had a kind of, I don't want to say rough start. But like, <laughs> they did a, a rough Bjork cover at the beginning of their set. And it, it felt like it... And it was it, like, oh man, if it's going to be, if the whole set's going to be like this, I'm going to be so bummed. We were so stoked to see them, you know? Yeah. But by this, like as soon as they kicked in with the second song, it's like they were fucking on it. I, I think part of it was like, I don't I don't know what was going on. Like they had a sound just, check. Just first band. Yeah, right. Like, you know, they sound check, but I guess it's just first band and first the band. The sound guy is still asleep. I don't know. Yeah. Cause like <laughs> it, it definitely, they, 
by the second song on, they were fucking great. But it was just like, oh man, I hope not. But we also were like, we were also like, shit, this place, we, we thought we were going to miss them because they were supposed to go on like, what was it, like 8 o'clock on the dot or something like the sh- Or no, 7 or some shit. Yeah, they, they posted on their Instagram that they're playing at 7 p.m. every single night on this tour. And then like, we get down there and we get basically down at the venue right at 7. It's like, all right, we can hopefully run. And there's a fucking line. Dude, that line was so fucking That long. was the longest line I've I'll ever... Never, I will never wait in a line that long again in my life for anything, ever. No. And, like, <laughs> it's like the doors were supposed to be open at 6. I assume they pushed everything back an hour. In real talk, we almost left. We almost... We were so close to fucking leaving in that stupid-ass line. Oh, my God. Dude, we were actually contemplating. I was like, all right, I have the tickets. Maybe we can just sell them shits because the show was sold out. And it was just like... But really, I I don't know. I mean, I'm just I, I'm that asshole that always just tries to show up so I can just walk right in the door. And it, and, it, and and it never you know, works. Sometimes you just go like, "Fuck, I'm gonna fuck it. I'm gonna miss the first band so that I can just walk in." Yeah, just whatever but, it takes. But it's never worked for us. Like I think every, <laughs> not, lately, not, not lately it hasn't. Not lately we show up fucking late. You know what our you know what our problem is? We like bands that are too big now. I think we've got it. We've gotten into mainstream music. Yeah, I guess so. I mean. <laughs> The only two shows, like, this is the second show I've been to probably this year that I can think of. Um, you know, we saw Cursive, and we went to this show. Should talk about some of the other bands, though. But, like, you know, we did go in. We saw Fleshwater. Koyo were great. Koyo were great. Like, Koyo was my favorite of the night. Mm-hmm. And we can talk a little bit, you know, just what the difference is. And I, lo- and I love that No Pressure set. I just yeah. felt like maybe they played a couple songs too long. We should shout out the homie Kellen, because Kellen was there. Yeah, getting six stage dives. Yeah, for sure. As we're like fucking leaning on the railing up in the balcony, I, I think that overall the show was fucking fantastic, top and bottom. And, and it's been rare that like, at least for me, maybe for you too, that I've gone to a show where I've been like happy to like yeah, yeah. watch I'm all u- the bands. Usually, just waiting for the band I want to see, and it's like, come on, just waiting for everybody else to fucking finish. Yeah. So I don't know. We we're, we're supposed to go see Godflesh at the end of the month. I hope there's just a opener that we're, we we can. We we're can. supposed to be we're supposed to go see Godflesh, but I bought the tickets and I can't fucking find them in my email because I'm a fucking moron. You, you, you'll <laughs> you'll fucking find. Them. I guess I kind of forgot again about it, uh, and I'm not like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, sure, I would I want to go and like I want to hang out, but uh, same time, it's like all right, well, I'm fucking whatever. It's just like I bought tickets for two of my friends and none of us end up going. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it would Shit. not be the first time. Uh, what else is going on? So uh, last episode, we had a cliffhanger where I was talking about like I was going to have a surgery. Oh, yeah, you didn't die. Yeah, I didn't die. I didn't have the surgery. I would have died if I had it. If just... you saw the bill. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so the day before I was supposed to go get this procedure, the, the, the facility where the doctor, like, I, I'll just say, I was getting a vasectomy. We're supposed to. And it's not an expensive ex- procedure. It's like an outpatient procedure. This The doctor that I got referred, got a referral to was like, oh, I do it at this facility. And like what it, you know, there was a doctor's fee and then there was a facility fee. And the facility fee was like, well, you know, it was going to cost me with insurance $5,000. Do they try to run game on you? That's just Dude. free. And well, ne- <laughs> here's the thing about next year. That procedure will be free. So I was like, you know, getting a head start, whatever, paying a couple hundred bucks now would have been fine. I was like, you know, that's fine. But like the fact these motherfuckers like had the nerve is like, oh, it's five thousand dollars. I was like, I can't afford that. Like, well, we can do financing. I'm like, fuck you. Like straight up. I ain't paying that. That's like 
fucking, I don't have money. I don't have $5,000 or like a portion of my paycheck to throw to that. That's, it's like, fuck you. And like, they sent an estimate. I got the estimate like three days later after. So I'm glad they called me and told me about it because if they tried to fucking hand me the bill on the day of the... They, they, they hand you the bill when you wake up. You go, fuck. <laughs> I mean, it, I think it would have been that way because like when I went in, like... When I went there the first time, I had to go get a pre-check to see if I was fit to have surgery. And the guy that was didn't say anything about any stuff was like, yeah, it just looks like it's a $200 copay. And I was like, all right. Like, I had a deposit with it. That was weird because, like, I had to pay the fucking doctor and I had to pay the facility. And it's just like, dude, America fucking healthcare sucks. It's like for years I didn't have health insurance. And I was like, I need to get health insurance because I need to get a physical and I want to make sure I don't die anytime soon. And it's just like now it's like I feel like I'm pissing away part of my paycheck yeah. for something I can't use other than you get fucking taxed the shit in California if you don't have it. So I don't know. So I'm still alive. Didn't have surgery. Um, I, well, I'm, a, I have a, I'm looking at our bullet points. We're going to save the one that's next to the end. But um, also had Abel Ferrara in town, American Cinematheque. They had um, Bellatar and Abel Ferrara at the same time. Yeah. Which was a fucking crazy weekend. Uh, opening night for Abel Ferrara was Miss 45 and Driller Killer with a live score. And I got to do that Q&A with Joe Diella and Abel Ferrara. I guess it wouldn't really be a Q&A. I got to stand there. He just kind of, uh, I, I ran, uh, I probably ran five or six Abel films over the past week. Um and and definitely all those Q and A. He's he's just kind of stalking around on stage, and yeah, you know, it's a, everybody standing up. He's not really getting any questions from you know the moderator. Yeah, he's just hanging out. He just kind of takes control. Yeah, and it, it's it's a it's I, a style. I, I think that uh, you know, you just being the first night, it was like maybe a shock almost or something. No, maybe I not shock. I, I I knew what it, I I did. You know, you know what you're getting yourself into. Okay. I I did prep knowing that. It probably was going to go this way, but like the second there, like they pulled off the chairs and had it standing. It's like fuck. Plus, uh, he had a whole uh, well, not maybe he didn't, but but there's a whole film crew following him around, making a documentary about him. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it had to contend with that as well. So I, I mean, I think some of like that Q and A, like basically everyone, I think everyone got roughed up in these Q and A's, just like just by the nature of it. Mm-hmm. It's like um, you know. I, everyone was like, wow, like everyone's like, you did a good job. And I was like, I didn't really do anything. I asked two questions and he's like, oh, your question's stupid. Let's go to the audience. And he got a bunch <laughs> he said of, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh no, he, no, no, he didn't say stupid. The word was boring. Your question's boring, bro. <laughs> yeah. And then like he asked the audience a question and you know what dog shit comes back from there. Oh God. No, well, last night, actually last night he said to the crowd, he was just like, yeah. You know, you don't even have, you don't even have to ask a question. Just speak to me with your heart. <laughs> it's just some shit like that. You know, just be, you know, hit me with your soul, brother. <laughs> it, it is fucking wild. But like, you know, I've had to do Q and A's where people don't want to be moderated and they just want someone there to like point to the audience or mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like, I get it. it. It's not fun for me as a moderator. I, I, and I'm just gonna say that this is no disrespect to Abel Farrar. He's Abel Farrar is gonna do Abel Farrar. That's it. But, like, I know, I did think it's funny that Harvey Keitel showed up the day after Blue, Bad Lieutenant and stopped by the Arrow and said, hey. This is so funny. How are you a day late, dude? Yeah. <laughs> are you a whole day late? I mean, he, he was never <laughs> scheduled to come, but, yeah. like, that. That's so sick. That just made me laugh <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Um, And speaking of screenings, uh, just 
this pat or this week as we're recording this, we I did the screening of the last horror film with Severn Films and like God damn, that was a lot of fun to watch in the theater. Yeah, it seems like it seemed I, I couldn't make it out, but a, a lot of people said that it was just like really fun and it was uncut, it had all the gore in it, and it's just like it's wild that they just went to the Cannes Film Festival and shot shit. That's so like, sick. Like pulling up the premieres and like getting out and like walking through and like no one knows a oh, fucking man. thing. I uh, I hadn't heard about that uh, until until you had told me about it recently. But uh, very very fucking cool. And like I forgot Joe Spinell's actual mom is in the movie. Sweet. And like the the end scene with him and her. Oh my god! Like people fucking applauded. Like. <laughs> It is the polar opposite to the in a glass cage screening where like people just left with their fucking heads down quiet, quietly. Yeah. Like, um, I can't remember. Did we talk about this on the last podcast? Man, I cannot remember. No, we didn't. I don't think we would have. Yeah, and we did. I think it was right. In fact, we recorded maybe a day, a couple of days before. Yeah. So, so we didn't talk about it. So I can talk about that in glass cage screen. Jesus Christ, man. In my interest, I like, this is going to be the third time I've ever watched this movie, and it's going to be the last, because I wanted to see it on film. And I guess people thought I was being funny, and then, like, the first child murder happened on screen, and, like, I was like, I wonder how many people are going to walk off, or walk out. Yeah. No one did. And then, like, because you, you've seen you've seen that movie, you oh, know, yeah. how it just, like, just becomes more of a, like, a soul crusher, and then just, like, at the very end, people kind of applauded, but, like... It was like the fucking like it was a funeral fucking dirge out of that theater. Yeah. I mean, it, it was great. It was you know, I mean, that's what that movie's supposed to do. It's supposed to make you feel like absolute shit. Mm-hmm. Mission accomplished. Um, and one last thing, and this is more discourse, and it's going to lead into an episode we're going to be doing sooner or later, is the French Connection, which we both already knew about this. So. I guess it's come out because it's on the Criterion channel currently that the French Connection is edited. I don't know. Like, do I even want to w- w- wade into this fucking discourse, dude? Do I do I want to dip my toe is into this water? I don't. I well, don't. <laughs> I, I mean, you don't have to. It's funny. It's funny that you want to talk about this because, well, like, what's to be fucking said? I mean, it. The thing is, it's just like I guess everyone's like, you know, why is this edited? And like. For those of you who don't know, I, I'm actually I'm actually stunned. Uh, I'm stunned that the side. I'm I'm just stunned. I, I maybe I'm even saying this off the record. I'm just stunned that like the the amount of people that are against this, like the people, uh, like like I maybe saw two people on Twitter be like, "You guys are actually like riding really hard for the N word right now," <laughs> you know? Well, I mean that that's what comes down. So back in December, I showed this during my like Christmas like action series. And, like, I didn't know anything about it. And, like, um, for whatever reason, I didn't sit down and watch The French Connection that night. I was still at the theater. I think me and Mike Cuenca went and hung out and had a drink or whatever. Because, like, I was going through some shit and, like, you know, just kind of unwinding. And when I came back, there was an angry guy at the theater. Mm-hmm. And couldn't figure He's like, you showed a censored version of this. I'm like, what are you talking about? This, this is- was, like, the first time. This was in, like... This is this was this last is, year, like yeah, six months ago, eight months ago, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, it was, it was the day after Christmas I played this. And okay, this, yeah. And like this guy, he's like this censor version, and like there's there's a very famous I don't want to say famous, but there's there's a scene there's a scene in French Connection if you've seen it pre all this that like you know Popeye Doyle is a racist cop. That's that's the character. And there's a scene where him and Roy Scheider's character are like talking and he's like, never trust an N word. Like that's the line because he's racist. And Roy Scheider was like, 
whatever, he's white. And he's like, never trust anyone. Just like, you know, he's a piece of shit cop. Yeah. Like, why do you want to hold a cop to a high standard? Right. So that line is cut out of the movie, at least in what's been floating around. And like, I, I didn't see it, but someone was saying there was like a card in there on that DCP. And I don't want to confirm this that said this was supervised and approved by William Freakin. Mm-hmm. Just pin that right there. Yeah. So the guy, and you know, made it a point to say the N word in front of me that how detrimental that scene was. And it's just like, I get it. You, you know, I don't think movies should be censored or recut and all that. It's like from Star Wars and like, you know, I know Coppola did that with Apocalypse Now, but. Mm-hmm. Coppola will, at the very least, put the other versions out there. Whereas, like, Star Wars, all you get is that, those final whatever versions. Right. And But I, I think I think even more so than just that, that kind of content cutting and changing, you know, uh, I think just changing, con- changing content to, to soften itself for modern sensibilities. Although, you know, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm not... You know, just like where I was saying earlier, it's like, man, I, it's a tough fucking argument, right? But like, yeah. especially in this case, it's a tough argument because it's tough to say, like, I want, I just need to hear this guy say the fucking n word. But, but I mean, that, but, but, but that's how it comes off, and like, yeah, and like, definitely that dude I was talking to. At the I mean, theater. that's how, right. So it sounds crazy, but I, but but you know, the more I think about it. The more I think about it, he's kind of right, though, you know, and I, and that's a, that's what I'm saying is I was surprised at the amount of people on Twitter uh, that, you know, that's where I saw the most talk about this is like most people were saying, like, you know, you shouldn't cut a film like this. You know, yeah. it's just like if it's in there, it's in there. That was the original intent. Yeah. And, you know, it's it. Th- this is very different than like changing a little something on star wars you know what yeah. I mean? it's not they're not changing something in star wars because it was racist yeah <laughs> you know i mean it, the 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 thing about this so the guy at the theater that night had mentioned he went to like another theater brain dead studios and seen the movie like six months ago mm-hmm. so like and the same version yeah. that i played it played there and i was like I was, <laughs> he's just theater hopping just trying to i need to hear it you like, just say it <laughs> yeah but like you know and it's like the you know the correspondence i had with the distributor and like a lot of people are blaming disney for this and like i'm gonna just say right out the gate yes you know disney's like you know family friendly or whatever they don't actually give a shit mm-hmm. they don't fucking give a fuck and i have a couple of theories on why this is out there because like so the the version that's playing in theaters ended up on the criterion channel which is where people called on and it's just like, you know, my thing is, is like, I don't think the movie should be altered in that way because you're trying to, you know, but then it's just like, it comes down to like, it, you know, was this artistic choice? Now, William Freakin is notorious for going back and fucking yeah. tinkering with his movies. Right. Like, you know... We you know we just talk I, guess, about, I mean I guess they have a right to do that no like what do you like what is your quick thought on that is like do they have a right to do I that? mean I think they do but it, it gets this is all because this also has to do with Criterion because like and this is also a Fox title there was another Fox title that like maybe last year came out on Blu-ray on the Criterion collection which was um, Miller's Crossing from the Coen Brothers mm-hmm. Coen's apparently went in and trimmed out some like insensitive lines. In that version, and people fucking flipped over that too. Mm-hmm. But the thing with Criterion is Criterion's not going to put out a disc unless it's approved by the director. Okay, like they, you know, 
that's just what they do. They'll like they're the one car Y like box set where he went in and, like recolor timed into all shit. People freaked out about that too. And like so and this is in that same vein. However, it's just like because of what is cut and what you're like people were just like it just really mm-hmm. it's it's a weird thing. Not because like you know, you could just say, like, I don't think movies be censored, but people are just, like, going hardcore. They're like, I have this French Connection Blu-ray. Like, I'm our car- archivist. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm sure it's on torrents and all that. So, my first theory... But, but those other... Those other... Uh, things aren't... Th- those other things happening, like, you know, not that long ago. Like, the Wong Kar Wai thing was not that long ago yeah. of a discussion. Yeah. And, you know, and even, you know, it's always the discussions with Star Wars being changed and all yeah. that stuff. You know, all that stuff is very, you know, very recent... Um, so this isn't, is, this isn't something that's just like out of the blue no, or no. something, you know what I mean? It's just a lo- part of the larger conversation. It's part of larger, just... and it, it just happens to be because the discourse and where we are as a country right, right. now. Politically as well, right? Yeah, it, it, it's more of a hotbed thing. So one theory is that freaking cut it. And a, a few, it might be more than a few years ago, he actually did a supervised transfer of a, when the French Connection first came out on Blu-ray, he he went in and altered the color. Like he color timed it up to contrast, made the movie look like it was like over contrast dog shit. Yeah. And like his, the DP on it, like freaked out when he saw it and everyone fucking dog piled. This like, this fucking sucks. And, and that was released as a DVD. It, it was released as a Blu-ray and a DVD. A Blu-ray as well. And okay. they had to go and he had to go back and fucking redo it. And they had to re-release it. So it was closer to how it came out. Like, the did end. they recall they didn't recall. Like, you know, they didn't recall. They just did another one. Okay. They just quickly did a new, a, yeah. another new cut. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it was just new color time. Mm-hmm. So, and freaking like, there's like multiple versions of cruising at this point. He's gone through like, you know, he's changed the color time. He's re-edited stuff. He's put stuff in, put stuff out. You know, look at the exorcist. The only version of the exorcist you can see is his director's cut. The, his original cut, you cannot see. Like if you have a like original or like if there's original like 35 millimeter of like how it played in like the 70s, mm-hmm. well, you will not be okay to play it. Ah, uh, okay. Is, so, there, is there like VHS of that floating around or there, something? There's like, probably there, there's, there, there's a VHS. Way to see it. There's a way to see that. Like there was there was actually a, I think a release where it had both versions on it. But to mm-hmm. play theatrically, you can only play the approved William Freakin thing. Mm-hmm. And in the note we got when we booked the French Connection, is like this is the talent approved dcp okay that's the exact wording on it and is there a is there an available print of that floating around that they they're like you're not allowed you can't well, for the exorcist or the french connection? Or for, i guess french connection well i i'm i'm curious to see if the new beverly plays it because mm-hmm. they're only on 35 yeah and it's like i don't think they're gonna go through and like they would have to actually manually edit like they would Fuck, chop. right yeah i don't i don't foresee that happening mm-hmm. but like i could also see like you know, if someone's like, hey, I want to play a 35 print, Disney can be like, no, it's not the approved version. Because, like, I've run into that. Like, you know, I don't want to talk about what... Actually, yeah, I don't want to talk about what studio has done it. But, like, there's a certain studio that has a catalog of very, you know, popular NC-17 cult films mm-hmm. who I've run into problems trying to play those things. And, like, just being told, no, it, you know. And then, like, it's arbitrary. Like, one... One year, one of those movies is allowed to be played, and everything else is. And then, you know, this year it's a different one. Everything else is froze. So it's like, they were, I was told this was like, I guess maybe last year around Valentine's when I was starting to do like, um, when I went weekly, I wanted to do a Cronenberg series. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do Crash on Valentine's Day because 
I think that would have been fucking sick. Was told that we could not get the print and because it, it was NC-17 and they're only authorized to play the R-rated cut. R-rated cut was only created for blockbuster video. Mm. That is the only reason that fucking thing ever existed. Right on. That makes sense. And the only version of it that is commercially available of that R-cut is the old flipper fucking DVD that New Line Warner Brothers put out way back. Mm-hmm. One side is the NC-17, other side is the R-rated cut. R-rated it's way fucking short and it's like incomprehensible. Oh, crazy. Like they just cut the fucking shit out of it. So, you know, but it's it's that kind of stuff. And like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Someone was saying that that French Connection DCP, getting back to the French Connection, I know I got a little off on tangent, but like the French Connection apparently had a card and according to that email, it was like talent approved. Mm-hmm. Some people have like, kind of quietly said they think Gene Hackman kind of pressured Freakin to make that change. I don't think Freakin would have done that. Or it might have been just a mutual thing. It's like, I, I don't know. Yeah. My other theory is that, for whatever reason, someone fucked up and they had a, like, maybe a TV version or something like that. I Or, like, a Disney Plus version. Well, here's the other thing. Apparently, in Europe, where Hulu and Disney Plus are, like, there's no Hulu in Europe. It's just Disney Plus, so they have all their R-rated like Fox titles on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the fully uncut French Connection still on there in Europe. So I'm wondering if like they made it. But be- also, that I mean, it, you know, it's probably just coincidental. But like, you know, that word has a lot more weight in the U.S. than it does elsewhere in the world. So I mean, maybe that's. But I doubt that they're it's they're not thinking into it in those ways. It's yeah. just licensing and you know other strange things. You know, I mean, it. it but. It, then there's not a lot of TV. So at this point, most TVs played uncensored anyway, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, it's, I don't know what that version, it's, it's, it's weird because it could be like, they made like a weird version that was like sanitized for something very specific. Maybe it's the airplane version of the movie. I don't know. And it just accidentally got DCP and got put on streaming and stuff. I mean, there was a, this is a long time ago, but like, TCM, Turner Classic Movies, you know, constant playing things in the right aspect ratio and all that. Played Star Wars on her one time in the wrong aspect ratio because they were given the masters that were incorrect. Mm-hmm. And they came from Fox. Yeah. So, there's a lot of theories to that. Yeah. I but mean, Fox, Fox had the Simpsons, or, you know, Fox Disney, on Disney Plus when it first came out, the Simpsons was on there in the wrong aspect ratio. Yeah, they, you know? had, they had everything so in 185, which, like... I guess because they're like, oh, people have TVs, but it's just like if you play The Simpsons one eight five, you're you're losing you're you're losing information. It's just like play things in correct aspect ratios. If something scope, it should have the black bars at top and bottom. If something was a TV show that was shot four by three, it should be like pillar box. It should have black on both sides of the image. Like that's that's a whole other thing. But don't try to bring The Simpsons modern. Yeah, I mean, I I probably new episodes or that aspect ratio. Like, but you know, I think. Netflix has fucking Seinfeld on there at 16 by 9 and it's like come on dog they ain't right yeah like they I mean they could have shot on film and they could have like just it could be open mat or anything like that but it's like I don't believe that mm-hmm. because like at the time everyone had a 4 by 3 TV yeah no it's just fucking stretched all out because uh, I've seen frames of Seinfeld if you look at frames of Seinfeld you can see like there's like you can you know it's it's you know, on TV, it's masked so that you're not seeing like the fucking giant hole in the wall over here and yeah. shit like that. That's clearly in that frame when you 
when you zoom out. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. It, the reason why I want to bring it up, because I think in upcoming episode, we're going to be talking about physical media, Blu-ray collecting, and all that. And, like, you know, that kind, that kind of stuff. So, this is a little bit of a teaser lead-in. Well, I'm bringing, back, uh, I'm bringing back uh, French Connection real quick. Look, I recently heard that, uh, that the restaurant Popeye's was actually named after Popeye Doyle. It and, is. And not uh, the cartoon. I didn't actually do any research myself. No, no, that's but I true. It that's, like, 100% no, that's, 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 that's 100% fact. That's 100% fact. Awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird 100% fact. Hell yeah. It's like, what's name or chicken restaurant from Louisiana after a racist ca- cock? cop or whatever <laughs> racist cock racist cock cop whatever <laughs> but i mean that that's that's insane yeah and like you know no one mentions like french connection too where he's like shooting heroin yeah <laughs> i didn't know that existed so yeah i guess yeah. no one actually does mention that yeah you're well correct. there was actually i'm gonna say this back. <laughs> there was a period of time that there was a lot of people that felt french connection too was better than french connection wow okay and it's directed by john frankenheimer no wonder they named a restaurant after the guy just making fucking six sequels and everything. I mean, there, there, there was also a de facto sequel Roy Scheider's character called the Seven Ups. Oh, okay. It's like he's basically playing the cop he played in French Connection, but with a different team. And there's like a car chase and that and all that. It, I don't know, but, but the the reason why I want to talk about wanted to bring this up because the, the film Twitter discourse is just like. You know, all you got to say is, like, I don't think movies should be altered. Like, you know, it's like going and taking a painting and deciding that you're going to reframe it or the artist going to, like, I'm going to, you know. Did you see the AI, Mona Lisa? Did you see Did you see those AI, like, reimagining oh, yeah. of, like, you know, classic paintings? paintings. Yeah. yeah. And look, the funny thing is, is, like, because the people that were doing it were so fucking stupid that, like, the, you know, like, when, um, was it the Sistine Chapel where, like, God and David or whatever that fucking thing. I forget what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, not art person, but we all know it. Like that image of God in the dude touch, like in Ray touch fingers, it created this whole cloud sequence. Never mind that the actual art piece is a whole fucking ceiling with a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's just like, yeah, you think you're being clever with AI. You're just like, you're looking like a fucking fool because they literally, you could Google and see the rest of the fucking art. Yeah. And that, I mean, a the thing about AI is AI is only based on like, it's only as smart as like the shit you feed it. And most people using AI aren't very fucking smart at this juncture. So, I don't know. But, I guess we should probably start le- wrapping this up and kind of leading into... I I mean, do we make a final thing about the French Connection stuff? I, I guess my opinion is I don't think the movie should be censored, but I kind of get why it is. And, but, and if it's an artistic, you know, if, it, it's, if it's freaking, who's the, you know, if we're going to do Arcturer, who's like the director is the author of the film and this is the choice he's making. This is the version he wants out there. It's like, I don't agree with it, but I respect it. That's all I'm going to leave it at. It's like, I don't, I mean, I don't agree with what happened to star Wars. You know, I don't agree that like there's certain movies that the only version you can see is that cut, you know? I mean, thankfully there's some directors that do their own version. Like think of the warriors. You know, Walter Hill did that weird version where you have the comic book panels in there and shit. I don't like that version. Yeah. And thankfully, when you book to play that, the Warriors, you don't have to play that version. You can still play the theatrical version. Mm-hmm. So I I think, you know, if there's an option, but like, you know, some directors don't want the option. They just, that's what they want the art to be. And then it comes down like, 
it's kind of like Kanye West and like the was it the Life of Pablo where he was constantly tinkering with that album. Oh yeah. So it's like, is it an artistic choice to go back and just continually evolve it? I'm just putting theories out here. I'm not agreeing, disagreeing. I'm just like, well, let's have a full discussion because like, what's right, what's wrong? It's like if an artist is going back and it's considered their art and they're making the choices, is it inherently wrong? Some people are going to say, some people are going to pick and choose depending on what the art is. You know, there's like, there's plenty of movies where I like the theatrical cut and granted it was taken away from the director. Yeah. And then the director does a director's cut and it's fucking dog shit. True. And then do you prescribe that the director's cut is the real version when the other version is technically better because, because art's subjective. And like, I'm looking at this from that standpoint and like, because I feel like any other way it's like, you're defending, like, I want to hear the N word, which is like how a lot of that feels, whether people mean it or not. And like, I get it. You shouldn't fuck with art and just like leave it on its merit. It's a timepiece. It's like the cop is fucking racist. It is very, very heavy handed that he is racist. Like there's no, there's no, there's nothing, even with that cut out, it's still very apparent that Popeye Doyle is a racist fucking cop. So that, that's where I kind of stand on it. And I think it's for a bigger discussion on just art in general, you know, because I know there was books that they were going through and changing words and all that. And people were having the same issues and stuff. And it's like, I get it. But like, you know, is, is self censorship, like someone choosing to censor themselves and feel like they evolved and feel like I don't feel this way anymore. That I think that's kind of valid too, whether I like it or not. Yeah. My personal preference is like art is art, leave it as is, you but, know. That's what I think, man. I mean, I think nothing should be censored. Nothing is nothing is too much. It's just if you don't like it, don't fucking watch it. I know it's I just that's me. You yeah. Know? And I I think that I think that's that's my correct feeling on it. But at the same time, I'm looking at it from the artist's perspective. So it's like, you know, if the artist feels different about their art. Yeah. But as far as the the, the actual artist changing their their work, I I don't know. I, what's my opinion on that? I, th- I think that most times, like, for instance, um, you know, Max and Igor Cavalera are re-recording old Sepultura records. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm sorry, but, like, you know, you're going to re-record the whole record 35 years later like that's probably gonna fucking suck you know I, well i wonder if they're doing that for publishing and, yeah of course they are but the, the, it's that and it's because like you know fucking morbid vision sounds like shit well yeah <laughs> you know it's like it's like you know they've got their reasons and and they want to make money off those records again or whatever but yeah. at the same time like you know it's not going to be good like dave mustaine went back and like tinkered with the old megadeth records and like he went christian and lost his mind and like wants to take out like certain lines and like yeah. i don't i don't know if that ever actually occurred where like he like re-recorded the like the vocals and changed lyrics and stuff like that but i had, i had definitely heard rumors you know just like the just the idea of that even occurring whether it did or not is just absolutely fucking insane i mean that's that's another thing to think about it's just like you know music and stuff like think of like people that have gone back and like remastered yeah yeah i mean remastered is but you but, know but it can nine times out of ten it's better but at the same time it, there, it, there's people that like interpret their art different like oh you know what I felt like this needed? Mm-hmm. And like, I've heard like, 
I've heard remasters, like, I've heard some, like, black metal band remasters where they added clarity and, like, you can, the separation of, like, drum tracks and stuff. And then, like, I listen to this, like, I don't like this anymore. Yeah. Because it's, like, you're trying to make something polished that was never meant to be polished. Mm-hmm. But artistic intent, you know? It, it's a weird thing, but it's, like, you know, I know Dave Mustaine lost his fucking mind because he got off the H train and found Jesus. And, like, but it's, like, if you go and re-record vocals or change vocal lines, it's going to be noticeable unless you do the whole song because your voice does not sound the same as it did. It'd be like James Hetfield is like, you know what? I just want to change one line on Kill Em All. He can't do that voice anymore. Yeah. It'd be go from like the, ha, ha, you know, like how he was on, I mean, that's not how he was on Kill Em All. I don't know what fucking voice. <laughs> I love that you did that. Yeah. I'm going to fucking, what, what, what if uh, what if Paige Hamilton went back and recorded uh, recorded you know fucking the first three Helmet records with his new shitty James Hetfield voice? Oh my god! <laughs> no, you know? I mean, I the Sepultura thing for those guys. I I think it's probably because they're trying to fuck the band. The current because mm-hmm. they're not Sepultura, they're just the Cavalero yeah. brothers or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's sort of like what Taylor Swift did with her records, which is basically, mm-hmm. I own the masters, and when someone wants to use a version of that song, they have to use my version and not yeah. the other one. But like, I, I, you know, I don't know. what What's the, I wonder what the consensus is with the Taylor Swift fans is like, is the new, is the re-recorded version garbage? Because it almost always is. Like, across the board, think of any bands that were just like, ah, oh, we're going to redo that. And it always fucking sucks ass. Yeah, I've never... You know, outside of maybe a, I don't know, it's maybe it's not in the same conversation as French Connection though, but it's but it's but, close. It's, but it's, it's it, tangential. It, it right? is because it's just like you know. Actually, here's something that's closer to French still, Connection. It's still artists fucking up their shit. So, <laughs> I've been to a lot. You know, not recently, but I would go to hip hop shows where like hip hop artists would change their lyrics mm-hmm. because they noticed it was a predominantly white crowd, so they didn't use the N word live. Really? Yeah, I saw Del Funk funky homo sapien this has been 20 years ago but anyway we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up and this is this discussion went longer this is the last episode i don't think so <laughs> i i i mean i'm not you know we i think we covered like the basis of like art versus commerce versus like artist like you know where where does censorship self-censor censorship and art and all that converge and this is more to create more questions and thought than like having a definitive answer. We gave her a fucking answer and how we feel about it, but we do have, speaking of movies, we have some movies we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about the July lineup here for cinematic void. So why don't we take a break and we'll be right back and we'll do that shit. There he is. What a happening dude. There's a super party animal. His name is Bugs McKenzie. The common shark. It's powerful. It's agile. It's aggressive. And most of all, it's jealous. Presenting the new Tiger Sharks. Everything else is just bait. For a free video, call 1-800-5T-SHARK. 
Welcome back. We are talking about the July lineup here on the Cinematic Void podcast, and this is going to be all the screenings we're doing at the Lost Fields 3, as well as our bi-monthly residency at the Frida, because, you know, we did one back in May. Skipping, going every other month, it's July, so we have a screening there, too. We've got, a, I think it's eight different screenings this month, which is a fucking lot, if you think about it. Although, one of them I won't be here for, and I will denote that when we get there. Um, outside of the Frida show and what's playing the first day of July, which is I'm doing both the 7 and 10 p.m. shows, and we'll talk about that when we get there, I had a completely different lineup, completely different theme, just completely different everything. We talked about it, and mm -hmm. like, you had different plans, and to quote Fat Joe, yesterday's price is not today's price. So, things had to change. So, different lineup, but... Honestly, I was going to do more of an Italian, like horror themed month. And it just, for a lot of reasons, wasn't working. And kind of, and this is going to, we'll talk a little bit about programming baseball here. We're in the middle of June right now. And like my June programming hasn't been doing so hot. Just flat out. Like, in a glass cage, did relatively well. Didn't sell out, but it was a packed house. Same for the last horror film. But the rest of June is not looking too hot. And. I got some theories. I'm going to propose them here before we talk about the July lineup, but it's just like, you know, House on the Edge of the Park and Cannibal Apocalypse, you know, kind of like Italian trash cinema staples. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I, I kind of wonder if the void core audience has shifted for a lot of reasons. It's like, you know, since I've done weekly, I've still done those movies. And obviously January Giallo is nothing but like, Italian genre trash cinema mm -hmm. for the you know most part and like that always does well but it's just like you know it's just I last year I did a few like one-off like Italian horror films I did Patrick Still Lives it was a little low attended it was also you know Patrick Still Lives so it was definitely a deep cut did Nightmare City during Camp Void last year it did relatively well mm -hmm. so it's kind of maybe ebb and flow but like you know I thought like you know doing some Italian horror, I don't want to say classics, but, you know, fun genre fair. What brought some people out that hadn't come out in a while and just, like, numbers reflect no. You know, it's it's just what it is. So, something to think about in programming when, like, things that used to work aren't exactly working the same. And it's like, you know, definitely been promoting them. Definitely been pushing them out there, you know. I will say last horror film started out a little, started... It it did well, you know. It did it. the The room was crowded. Like by the time the movie went on the screen, it was a pretty packed house. Mm -hmm. But like you know, it 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 was taking a bit to like build up like ticket sales and stuff like that. And but the you know House on the Edge of Park and Cannibal Apocalypse have been like just barely a pulse. Crazy. But I'll, I'll say when I looked at tickets for Cannibal Apocalypse today, it actually had a pretty big jump. It's nice. actually, I think it went past House on the Edge of the Park. It might be because it's on a film print and House isn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that, definitely that, a big factor, I think, with your with your crowd. Yeah. I did try to get that House on the Edge of the Park print, and it just didn't work out. It's gotcha. one of those things, and it's not like... I think that's the one I'm excited for. I mean, I, I, I think the people who are going to come for it are like going to be down for it. It's, you know, it's definitely uncomfortable, but it is like a sleazy... It's sleazy fun. But it's definitely sleazy, and it's definitely like gonna make you wanna take a hot shower afterwards, and scrub your skin off for some of the stuff. I mean, it's David Hess. If you've seen Last House on the Left, you should know what you're about to get into. 
And, you know, there's definitely people like, oh, shit, you're playing this. But it's just like, you know, it's just one of those things. So this is going to lead in July because I would say July is a little more mainstreamy, like a little on the nose. I be critical myself. I, you know, pat myself on the back where I think I did a good job or whatever. I'll be a little critical and think, you know, it's not my favorite lineup. And I, a lot of it was like compromises and like just plugging shit in after I had movies fall out and other issues and that kind of stuff. But there's, I think there's some still interesting stuff that's happening in the month. But let's go ahead and kick it off with July 3rd, as I already mentioned, doing two shows. And the first one at 7 p.m. is a classic. It's a beloved classic. It's probably one of the greatest movies ever made. And I stand by, and I think you agree with it, too. Definitely. Jaws 2. Not Jaws 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming later, but... God damn it, you... <laughs> but, of course, we're talking about the original, often imitated, sequel to death, Jaws. It has survived millions of years of evolution. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him Jaws. If you forgot what terror is like, the original Jaws is back for two weeks only. Rated PG. Yeah, one of the, one of the greats. What can really be said? We already said it's the, uh, you know. You've heard of it. Yeah, you, you've heard of it. Like, cultural osmosis has, like, made it one of those movies like Psycho or fucking, I don't like from like pre nineteen ninety pre two thousand like there's certain older it's weird to say Jaws is an older movie when there's like fucking hundred like over a hundred years of film history but yeah. like to a lot of younger kids it's like this is a fifty year old movie yeah it really C- fucking coming, is. coming up on it yes yeah, it'll be it's forty eight this year and um it's I it's a movie that I've never the only time I've never I saw it not work. And wasn't the movie's fault. Is we had that earthquake of the Egyptian. Yeah. Took the audience out of it. But every other time I've sat in a theater and watched Jaws, I've seen it like the I saw it the tiny in a tiny, like fucking twenty seat theater at the AFI Silver down in like Silver Spring years ago. And I've seen it like, you know, countless times at the Egyptian or the Arrow or whatever. That movie, it always works. It is never it just fucking even the most cynical I've seen everything. That movie just, it grabs people and doesn't let go. And I know there's, you know, edgelords out there who's like, oh, I don't like Jaws. Fuck you. You're full of shit. Like, you're full of shit if you don't think that movie works. Yeah. Like, it's it's just incredible. And I don't know why I'm talking so much about this screening because it's already sold out, obviously. It's like, you know, it's a no-brainer. But I don't know. It's I'm happy because we got the the baller universal 35 millimeter print for this it's playing a couple times at the cinematech it's playing i think july 1st at the arrow and then it's also playing on the 4th but my july 3rd screening sold out and that leads into the 10 p.m screening which was something that's which i actually did last year i'm i'm trying a tradition and that tradition is showing another i guess if you've seen jaws you know it takes place on the 4th of july or around it this other movie that's playing at 10 also takes place on the 4th of July. It's one of my personal, I dare I say, top 10 movies. Of course, I'm talking about Roller Coaster. Get ready for the thrill of your life. Now, Universal plunges you into a mystery at the speed of sound. Roller Coaster. 
an accident in California. Plus two accidents in one week. Who's putting the lid on this, the police? A recording from a stranger. Get on the ride, Harry. A drop in Virginia. Harry. Yeah. Remember what happens when you don't follow directions. And a man in the middle on the ride of his life. They're over the lift. It's too late to stop them now. Let's go. coaster which we we did an episode on the um way back in i don't want to say season one but year one of the podcasters we did fourth of july favorites and we talked about a little bit on on that if you want to get access to that episode that's exclusively on patreon now along with a bunch of our older i don't want i don't like the word content content's a terrible word i know everything's referred to as content now i'll say one of the older kind of Getting the feel of it episodes, a lot of those are now just Patreon exclusive. So you want access to that? Join the Patreon. Help support us. So check it out if you want to. But, you know, Roller Coaster is from 1977. It was shot in Sensorround, which is any time that I've ever talked about this movie, he's like, are you playing in Sensorround? No, because it doesn't exist anymore. Like, Sensorround was a very specific sound setup. It was a 70-millimeter print. They had, like, that low-end frequency that would rumble the theater because, you know, like, earthquake and stuff like that. It doesn't exist anymore. I showed this last year, actually, on the 4th of July because I've always wanted to show Roller Coaster in a theater. Universal had made a new DCP of it, and it was the world premiere of it. And it's just, like, got a really good crowd from it last year. And it's like, why not? I was like, let me have the 10 and let me do Roller Coaster and just... Because I always wanted to do Jaws and Roller Coaster as a double feature. And... At one point, we were during the lockdown, we were at the drive-in. It almost happened. That was going to be the opening night. It was going to be Jaws and Roller Coaster. But they're like, well, Roller Coaster's like a two-hour movie. We don't want people to be there too late. So they switched out for Tremors. So this is the closest I can do a double feature as two separate tickets. But I'll say this. Like, the tickets for Roller Coaster have been selling damn good. So I, I'm glad this movie is kind of getting the dap and recognition and all that for it. It's, you know, it's, it's a great movie about a, you know, amusement park safety inspector going against the mad bomber you get to see king's dominion which you and i both went to in our childhoods because it's in i guess just outside of richmond richmond virginia mm-hmm. so that was a nice little trek every now and then and also get to see magic mountain which i went to last year and did a, did a cinematic void vlog on which you can find on the youtube channel where i just go to the roller coaster which is the revolution but in a lot of movies but it's first time roller coaster so I'm really stoked to be showing that. I'm stoked to watch both movies back to back in a theater. So it's like, I, you know, it's like I'm like, oh man, I go to bed at like ten or whatever. It's like I can stay up late for Roller Coaster. Coming up the following week, which is the tenth, we're staying with Universal titles, and Nick already alluded to this one. I guess it's one of his personal favorites. We'll we'll, we'll see. Which is going to be Jaws 2 from 1978. It's going to be another 35 millimeter print. Three years ago, the iron town of Amity was the scene of a terrible tragedy. But today, there is a new hotel and the promise of a perfect summer. Now, just when they thought the waters were safe again, the legend continues. Out of the water now! That's a shark. 
know what a shark looks like because I've seen one up close. <laughs> you better do something about this one because I don't intend to go through that hell again. <laughs> Mike, it's out there. Universal presents the all-new Jaws 2. I don't know. What are your feelings on Jaws 2? Uh, I don't really remember it. <laughs> it's been a really long time. Um, I kind of remember it as being just the... Uh, I'm trying to think of a, another good example of just like the sequel that just feels like it's just going through the fucking motions. You know, it just doesn't... It just doesn't have any of the magic of the original, but they're just kind of re... You know... I mean, the the backstory behind Jaws 2 is maybe more interesting than the actual the, movie. The actual film, okay. I mean, the thing is, it's like Roy Scheider had quit the deer hunter, and he was still under contract for Universal, and, and basically, they're like, you, if you do Jaws 2, your contract's done, and you're free to go. He's like, he didn't want to do Jaws 2. No one wanted to do the sequel. <laughs> but because they kind of had him... Over the fire, he did Jaws 2, and apparently he was a fucking nightmare on that movie. Okay. Roy did not give a fuck and did not want to be there. There was a... They had an original director, got shit-canned, brought in another director. And, like, there, the thing about Jaws 2, I think the best thing about it in, like... If you ever wanted to see a musical score carry a fucking movie on its shoulders, John Williams is the unsung hero of Jaws 2. Because, mm. like, he makes that fucker work when, like... It probably shouldn't. There's some cool stuff in there. I mean, they def definitely the original Jaws motif of like show less of the shark is mm -hmm. thrown out the fucking window because it's like that shark is like everywhere. Yeah, it is just like f right front and center. Mm -hmm. And like I there, I think there's things in it at work. I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think it's a fun movie to watch with the audience though. Yeah. So I'm kind of stoked to see that in a theater. Come to, come to think of it, I uh, I probably remember Jaws three and four way more. <laughs> I mean, Jaws. The thing about Jaws three, I couldn't tell you fuck all about that movie other than that fucking weird. I mean, I saw first time I saw Jaws three was not in 3D. And you yeah, know that shot of the shark that's like obviously in 3D would look pretty fucking cool. This giant fucking thing floating towards you before it breaks the glass. Yeah. Like, I remember watching that as a kid and be like, this looks fucking stupid. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, for, now you're scared that you can't go to the beach anymore. Now you can't even go to the fucking aquarium. I know. Just like, I mean, that, that fucking shark is huge. It's like, <laughs> oh, is it a megalodon? I, like, I can't remember. <laughs> right. more, I can't, maybe it's just the 3D shot of it. Like, it's just like, it's, I don't even know if that works in 3D. I know we, a few years back, like we showed it on like actual film 3D. Maybe yeah. more than a few years back, and I definitely showed it at the Arrow on a double feature oh, with man, Ape. I, I would love to to see that in 3D. That fucking rules. I show we there's a 3D DCP of it that you can show. I definitely show Jaws 3D. Cool. Um, and then Jaws 4, where the shark follows them to a fucking island. It's the serial killer movie, dude. I, <laughs> so roundabout with French Connection and Christmas originally. In my Christmas lineup, I wanted to do Jaws, Jaws Revenge because yeah. it's a Christmas movie. There's a, I think we might have talked about it <laughs> yeah. a little bit. There's a fucking scene in Jaws the Revenge where it's like he's a fucking like it's like the Black Christmas murder. Yeah, where they like have all the like the singing and it cross cuts between a shark fucking up Chief Brody's kid. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to show that for Christmas so fucking bad. Universal had no materials, no DCP, no nothing. Yeah. I mean, maybe Michael Caine was like, look, I bought a house with this movie. That's cool, but please 
don't let this play in a theater. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's such a fucking wacky movie. I, I, it's not, I'll, I'll say this, Jaw, as great as Jaws is, the sequels are not. They have variant entertainment value. Hey. Hi, we're podcasting. You're now on the podcast. Do you have any? Do you have, do you have anything you want to tell us, Amish people? Amish people. I don't know. I'm glad to take a break from customer service, though. I can tell you that much. Yeah, we agree with that. <laughs> so. I'm sorry. It's all right. All right. Are well, you Are you I'm out? Are you going out? to get some cucumbers? That's good. That's that's better than work, I think. All right, well, everyone, Leslie, and she's going to get cucumbers. We'll get back to the podcast. That's right. Eat your vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) All right, bye. Love you. Bye, love you. As we were interrupted by my girlfriend who was out getting cucumbers, you know, I, again, like, what was I saying? As good as Jaws is, is as bad as the other (laughs) movies are. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, they all have entertainment value and whatever. Anyway, that Jaws 2, 35mm, that's selling pretty goddamn well so far. I mean, people were stoked. The next movie, which is going to be on the July 17th, has been selling well for obvious reasons. And I actually, I won't actually be in the theater for the screening. So, it's a little deliberate. I, I picked a movie that would be a crowd pleaser. And I picked a movie, I don't dislike this movie even though I'm not a big fan of this particular franchise. But, you know, it's like, if I'm not going to be there, I might as well pick something that, like, I, you know, not necessarily, I don't want to say not care, because I feel like that's the wrong, but it's like, pick something that people will enjoy, and, like, you know, it's okay that I'm not there. Which is Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. They thought the nightmare was dead. And buried. They were wrong. Jason lives. Happy Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, part 6. Jason lives. Starts August 1st to the famous players and other theaters near you. Check local listings. Now this is like the final installment of the Tommy Jarvis trilogy that's built in there that started part 4. Where like starts out as Corey Feldman grows up to be Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead, so it's four, five, and six. Out of the out of the three, my favorite's five because that that's the one that has the fake Jason Roy, and it's really sleazy and just just really trashy. This one's fun though, you know, it has the James Bond spoof opening credits and like lots of good kills and it's kind of it's very cartoony. Mm-hmm. It was also the fr- I think it's the fr- last Friday Thirteenth before Kane Hodder took over. Okay. So, plain old 35mm print. People really stoked for it. I'll be out of town. I'll be going to Sleepy Hollow and... You're going to have Nikolai uh, host the screening for you? I should. <laughs> no, I'm I'm actually pre-taping it, so... <laughs> Can you imagine Nikolai, my arch nemesis Nikolai introducing the movie? Well, it, upon your death, he's going to be taking over, remember? Well, that's right. That's yeah. right. So, well, I ain't dead. I'm just not there. <laughs> I'm still alive, so... I think my plan is... Is that there won't be a live person intro. It was just like once the void intro video plays, it just goes into my pre-tape and just play the fucking movie. Sweet. I kind of I kind of like that idea. I want to see how that goes because like normally if I miss a week, I just you know don't do any programming. And I was like, 
let's try something different. Cool. So, yeah, Friday 13th, part six. Uh, the following week, I'll actually be back in town for a movie that has, you know, any movie that Anton LaVey, head of the Church of Satan, the real Church of Satan, not that whatever bullshit fake one that whatever that one is. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know anything about it. Like, when I th- think of Church of Satan, I think Anton LaVey and all that bullshit. Yeah. And not whatever. Also, I don't know how you have more than one Church of Satan. Like, how does that work? Yeah. I mean... When especially when it's not the same thing. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. Anyway, this is Antoine LaVey. He was a creative consultant on a movie called Devil's Reign, which is a masterpiece. Any, any any movie where Ernest Borgnine turns into a devil man and people melt. Awesome. This was another movie he creatively consulted on, and it's called The Car. <laughs> Evil has visited the earth in many forms. Now it returns as the car. There was no driver in the car. Possessed. I know why he didn't go into the cemetery. The ground was hallowed. Just by nature, not not necessarily plot wise, but it's basically a satanically possessed car, killing people. Yeah. Just it's it's kind of a fun movie. It's like I I it's been on my list for a while, and like this was one of the first ones I threw in when I had to like drop something out. I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Why don't, why don't I just show the car? It's kind of a summer. It's outdoors. Yeah. I mean that horn honking is ridiculous in that movie. It's got James Brolin dad to josh brolin in it and it's like I, I was like you know i feel like watching the car so i programmed the car so i mean that's basically what it is so this is probably out of july it's the one two three it's the fourth universal title i'm playing this month so lots of lots of synonym matt or i always love going to universal my, yeah. home, my homie works over there i love going over there yeah just get <laughs> stuck behind the tram picking up film prints yeah there's that but i mean you'll be picking up three you'll be picking up jaws 
Jaws 2, the car. I'm sure there's some other stuff at the Cinematex coming from Universal that month. Or in July, I should say. But yeah, the car's a really fun one if you haven't seen it. And to close, well, not to close out of the month, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Actually going to be going to the Frida again, as mentioned earlier. And this is part of our, you know, bi-monthly residency. Um, back in May, did Demons. And I kind of wanted to keep with, you know, fully tradition of not just doing horror movies, but genre movies in general. So on Friday, I believe it's the, I think it's the 28th is the day. Yeah, Friday the 28th, going to be back at the Frida for... Rowdy Harrington's Roadhouse. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. Patrick Swayze is... Dalton. I thought you'd be... bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. If somebody gets in your face... I want you to be nice. Don't, don't be rude. Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. He may be hard to handle. I keep talking, you're going to go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, Dalton? Don't you like women? Worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> but there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. Aren't you guys tired? I'll go get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. This is my town. I'm not afraid of him. I guess you'll be having that fire sale now, all right? <laughs> Get your hands full, kid. I just think I'm looking at a dead man. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. For that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. Gee, I've never heard that before. Roadhouse. Right on. That's yeah. a fun one. Oh, it's a fun one. I, and it's got to be great with the damn crowd. Yeah, and like, Frida Crowd was awesome when I was there for Demons, so I this is, this is definitely a crowd-pleaser movie. Like, any movie where Patrick Swayze fucking people up, ripping throats, get to see Sam Elliott's pubes, you know, it's, it's just, the, I mean, what else can I say about it? It's a, only in the 80s could a movie like this be made. By someone named Rowdy Harrington, by the way, which is just a fake, the fakest name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like Roddy Piper was, Rowdy Rowdy Piper was fucking big. Everyone's like, my name's Rowdy. I had never considered it. I mean, I don't How are you going to be named Rowdy? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if it's a real name or not. I, I guess I never, yeah, uh, fuck, man. I mean, I, 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 we're talking about Rowdy Harrington and Roddy Piper. Roddy... Piper has a real name, but like, it, yeah, I don't. Well, we're getting way Fuck. off here. Although this does kind of like <laughs> Rowdy Roddy. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I mean, that that will come when I get a rewatch and listen. Rowdy it. Roddy is like a name of a fucking garbage pail kid. <laughs> oh, it definitely. I I guarantee <laughs> like I you had that, it. <laughs> yeah, I guarantee you that was one. Uh, what else can I say about this movie? You know, it's got you know lens by the great Dean Cundy who did Carpenter's movies and like went on to do Jurassic Park and stuff. And I think he started working. I think he's working on those Star Wars TV shows now that Disney's producing. Like oh, okay. He's DPing again, which is like great to hear. Because there was a point where he was just on the indie film circuit, and I think he was teaching like cinematography at different schools. So it's like, I don't know 
I'm not saying anything good or bad happened to him. That's why. But like, hey, it's kind of cool. He's still out there and still DPing stuff because he's he's probably one of the best DPs going. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm not a big Back to the Future fan, but he made those movies look good. Yeah. So. I don't know, and this movie looks great. Yeah, Roadhouse, down on the Frida on the 28th. And then to close out July at the LF3, we are actually teaming up with Terror Vision Records. I guess there's Video and Records. I forget how they put the nomenclature on there, but Terror Vision's been around. They've been releasing, you know, vinyl, and they recently, they started out as a partner label, label with Vinegar Syndrome, and then they kind of branched out, and now they're their own independent, you know, thing. So they've been... They kind of hit us up, and um, Brad Henderson, who used to work for Vinegar Syndrome, who now just exclusively works for TerraVision, at least they're doing their video and Blu-ray stuff. We had, had a talk, and we talked about things they had coming up, and they, you know, mentioned they had this movie, Shergala, coming out. Um, I think I'm saying it right. Shergala is basically the Indonesian Friday the 13th ripoff. Okay. And, you know, the guy directed it, whose name I'm not going to try... I mean, I should try, but like, uh, Sisworo Guatama Putra. I was going to warn you not to even try, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> just don't do it, dude. I mean, I just did it, but I'm just, I'm just going by how it's <laughs> no, spelled. I mean, good. yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm just trying not to be disrespectful, it's, of course, but like, but like the guy, the guy also made uh this bonkers fucking um Indonesian horror movie called Satan Slave, which I think Vinegar Syndrome actually put out on Blu-ray, which is just fucking bonkers. But this was, you know, Indonesia and other places like, you know, Pakistan and like India would do knockoffs of, you know, movies. Mm-hmm. And they always end up being entertaining. We just, you know, watched Malacca, which was, you know, Bollywood version of like a nightmare on Elm Street. And this is the Indonesian version of Friday the 13th. I mean, you know, there's no musical numbers in it, but like it, it deviates, but follows the plot. And it's, I think it's might be, it's definitely more like a day, dare I say mystical. Okay. But it's just like, I, I'm, I enjoy this a lot more than Friday the 13th. And like what's they're getting, I think the Blu-ray will be out by the time this is screening. But like I saw this years ago and it was a bootleg and like, it was missing gore or like just assume there's no gore in it. Apparently there's quite a bit of gore in it. And it, this, this is the first time it's been fully restored. So you can see all the gore. So I don't know. This is out of the whole month of things. They're kind of like very studio centric horror and genre fair. I think this is the most interesting thing you can come check out. You know, Terror Vision could be there. I think they're gonna have a little pop-up shop. So they'll have like Blu-rays and I don't know if that records, but they'll definitely probably have, Blu-rays and shit for sale. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of kind of nice to work with a newer label and showcase one of their titles. So so that's our July lineup here for, on the Cinematic Void podcast. Like, hit us up on socials. Tell us, tell us what you think about it. Tell us what your favorite screening or the screening you're looking forward to the most is. But we're going to take one last break here. And when we come back, we'll be re-watch and listen here on the Cinematic Void podcast. True Value Hardware, it's more than a name. Keep the birds well-fed year-round with this Rubbermaid tile roof-style bird feeder. It can be hung from a tree branch or installed on a platform or pole. The feeder evenly distributes up to five pounds of seed through the windproof chimney cap. And in November, the Rubbermaid bird feeder is just $4.99. Look for the Hardware Value of the Month banner at most True Value hardware stores. 
fulfill your fondest dreams, where vegetables are lollipops and bubbles seem like jelly beans. Imagine a Six Flags world where cars are aeroplanes and you can walk upon the moon. Search for Pirate's Gold with Pac-Man, ride with a shirt tails raccoon. A special place where kids can see through magic eyes, because Magic Mountain's new children's world is exactly children's size. Welcome back. It's now time for... On the Cinematic Void Podcast, where we talk about all the things we've been reading, watching, and or listening to since the last time we recorded a podcast. Hey, what's going on? Not much. I'm just sitting here with Nick. We're recording the Void Podcast, so we figured we'd phone a friend and put you on. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like... I was like, dude, did Haven just text me Portal Rules? Nick's like, no, he didn't. Dude, I say Portal Rules once a week at least. (laughs) I I think about it so much. When I saw Mike Thompson a month ago, I was like, dude, Portal Rules. (laughs) And he totally remembered too. Like, everybody remembers Portal Rules. It's it's how I live my life daily. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Dude, that made made my day. What's up, dude? I just... I don't know. I was just thinking about it. And I was like, I gotta text John. I think about it all the time because there's no one else here. I can I can text that to. Portal right. Portal haunts me, dude. All right, uh, Jim. We're gonna f- let you phone in if you're down. We're we're doing read, watch, and listen. You want to talk? Is just just jump in. Tell us what you've been reading, watching, or listening to since we have you on the phone talking about some random high school joke that's funny to Nick and I that we always do on the podcast <laughs> anyway. Um. Yeah, I haven't really been watching anything really. So. You're lying. Mean, You're lying. I see you on Letterbox. I know you saw something last week. I mean, I just, I just got that giant Bergman box set in. Nice. I just saw my first Bergman. Because <laughs> that was cheap, and I just picked up fucking Fred Olin Ray's uh, book he just did for Deep Red. Book, Deep Red. Nice. But I haven't read that yet, and I, I just finished Quentin Tarantino's book, which I really liked. Nice. Because uh, I hear him narrate it as I read it <laughs> <laughs> and for some weird reason I've been on some Ben Affleck kick nice D- directing or just going through his whole filmography of like acting uh acting nice <laughs> um I don't know why and then last night I watched Natural Enemies for my first time I've been wanting to see it for years and nice it's the most bleak piece of All- cinema I've ever seen I loved it yeah, um, I might suggest that for we do Cinematech does um, Bleak Week and we just wrapped it up. I think Natural Enemies would be a good title for that because that movie is fucking with um fuck what's his name Hal Halbrook. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it felt like it, it was speaking to me. Like, am I narrating this? <laughs> <laughs> it made me feel better about myself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, a bleak movie should make you feel like, man, at least that wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight I've. Plan on watching that uh, Prog Nights horror anthology thing. Nice. Which I'm I'm excited about. Well, I'm glad you've read some stuff because, like, usually when we do rewatch and listen, neither Nick and I have read shit. <laughs> I, I usually read an hour a night. So. God damn. Damn, I, nice. I, that is some dedication. So yeah. It's, it's the only thing to help me sleep. Yeah, I mean. It's either that. <laughs> Either that or just fall asleep watching like Shaw Brothers films I've seen a hundred times. So it's a, it's it's the comfort, you know. Yeah. But, but oh man, dude, we we should actually legit have you on the podcast and just shoot the shit at some point. 
Uh, I 100% will be down with that. Nice. We, <laughs> we, 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 we've made many mentions to the, the legendary to Haven. Like, Nick, Nick and I make so many fucking Maryland references. It's like, no one cares. And then we found out people <laughs> actually from Maryland listen to us. Like, oh, man, did we talk shit about someone? Dude, Jess, uh, Jess, Morgan, Jess Morgan hit me up the other day and said he listens all the time. That's so funny. Just yesterday, I brought up Messy Morgan to a guy at work <laughs> because I was talking about the time he was taking a fry holster from Roy Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> dude, yeah. if, if I'm, you remember that. Yeah, dude, I can't forget <laughs> that because he came over to a fucking apartment with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was explaining to him. I was like, yeah, it's just... A buddy of ours, it was amazing. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I think Roy Rogers just exists on, like, the fucking New Jersey Turnpike now, if if that. Yeah, I, I usually do a, a monthly visit. <laughs> <laughs> In memory of, of, of Morgan. Oh, God. Why, why else go to Jersey, you know? What <laughs> other reason? You know, it's like, fucking just get the fry holster. That's all that matters. And if I still... If, you know, like the the one thing I need to figure out how to recreate as a vegan is like the vegan version of the the Gold Rush chicken sandwich from Roy Rogers. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, there's no <laughs> way. Uh, 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 there, there, there's too much decadence and like unhealthiness attached to that. You, know, you got the honey yeah, glaze. You got. I think it might have went extinct. I'm not sure. Yeah, because it probably killed people. That, that, I'm still alive. Oh, well, that's true. I I mean, I definitely ate a lot. I I. That was always my go-to. I think we had enough of those when we used to do the fucking Salem road trips. We would get those fucking sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were perfect for breakfast, lunch, snack. <laughs> one time, one time I was I was skateboarding right by by the Roy Rogers, like by by the community college and all that shit. Yeah. I was skateboarding there. I think with Tom, uh, Tom, um, you know, Tom that was in Suburban Vermin. Oh, what Tom Klein. Tom Klein. So I was, I was skateboarding with Tom Klein, and I ate two of those Gold Rush chicken sandwiches at once, and I threw up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I have a body type for that. You don't. Yeah, you can't, overdo the, you can't overdo the Gold Rush, dude. You can't, you can't rush the rush. Oh, man. Dude, this is amazing. <laughs> but, like, seriously, we're going we're gonna to have Jim DeHaven on at some point soon. We're going to talk about movies and adventures and just fucking crazy shit. Like you, you, yeah. you definitely get mentioned as well as Holacek. I, I got remember to call him Holacek because he fucking like pulled a prince and changed his name, or yeah. al- altered the pronunciation. I should say. What would be the new? Yeah. What would be the new pronunciation of DeHaven if you changed it? You, you can't. It's, <laughs> no, it's 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 in stone. It's it's what it is. You don't want to be DeHaven or something like that. I don't know. No, De, never DeHaven. De- <laughs> Who was it they used to think your name? They were we were calling you the Haven. Who the fuck was <laughs> that? Everybody. That's amazing. Yeah, there was people like, yo, why are you calling the Haven? It's like, no, his last name is the Haven. I mean, I might want to change now to the Haven. Yeah, man, it sounds like a good pro wrestler name. D Haven D. Oh, no, man. I'm totally in for whenever to talk movies and everything. I mean. I have tons of shit to watch and talk about. So yeah, we'll just have you on. We'll just we'll just we'll just fucking shoot the shit. That's but awesome, dude. I so for just reference, we we all the Haven Nick and I we all went to high school together. We were in graphic arts. This ties back to the to live and die at L A episode that we just did because we were talking about when we had the Secret Service come visit us every year. 
don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I do. Counterfeit money. <laughs> yeah. Everything, yeah. I mentioned that when I introduced the film. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, we used to have the Secret Service come and tell us not to counterfeit. <laughs> and then we saw the live and die in L.A. and we're like, yeah, we're going to start counterfeiting. I don't think any of us did. That I know of. No, we were, we were terrible printers. Yeah, so. well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those AB Dick printing presses were fucking not good. No. <laughs> but all right, man. I, I know you just got off work and want to decompress, but I just we just after you sent us Portal rules. Actually, that's the thing I was gonna say. Por- Portal was this guy. I don't want to say his real name, but there was a guy called Portal. Well, his name wasn't Portal. He had made a comic book character that just happened to look like Green Lantern that he called Portal. And like he drew, he drew it one time, and we kept the image. I don't know who has it. Yeah, I don't. Yes, someone has the fucking original portal drawing. We kept it, and I think Smithsonian. Oh, Smithsonian. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, uh, everyone, this is Jim DeHaven. Haven't talked. Good to talk to you. We'll actually, well, let's talk more because, and not just for random, random. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, not just for random portal stuff, but we'll have you back on the pod, but. All right. Yeah, last last time you were here, dude, and when you left, I felt bad. <laughs> like Jim's been my friend for twenties of yeah. thirty years, and I miss talking to him. Yeah, we we and need Nick too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, shit, we'll just make it work. I mean, uh, coming up, I'm, I'm a, we're gonna go hang out with Jason Worm because he lives out here now. Wow, dude, just I like just name dropping people that have no context to anyone but <laughs> us. <laughs> I like it too. But yeah, but all right, man, good talking to you. Absolutely. I'll talk to you later. All right. See you, man. See ya. Jim to everyone. I'm kind of glad he called because we have mentioned, or I called him or he texted us. So we have talked about him probably since the first podcast at this point. Oh, definitely. We always got to bring that fool up. Yeah. So it's like, nah, you got to hear it. I, I know we talked about him on the whole, when Bruce was on for um the Bigfoot episode. So yeah, we'll definitely have, you know, we were leaning away, not doing guests, but like, fuck it. We got to do Jim to Yeah, for sure. That that's iconic. Maybe not to everyone's like, why? It, no, it's iconic. You don't understand. Jim DeHaven has no social media other than Letterbox. Yeah, respect. And we're not even gonna tell you what his Letterbox name is. The Haven. The Haven. <laughs> anyway, so with that kind of segue, welcome back, which we didn't really do here, but you know, all right, Nick, what have you been reading, watching, and or listening to? All right, I haven't really been reading anything, but Cormac McCarthy just died. And uh, the only thing I've read of his is The Road. And I actually, it's one of the only books that I sat down to read and didn't get up until I was just done reading the whole fucking book, which is kind of crazy. Um, I remember you telling me that because yeah. you loaned me your copy of The Road and said, like, read it. And I did pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Just blaze right through it, man. But uh, I've always I've always wanted to read Blood Meridian and shit like that. So, uh, I don't know. Now that you're dead, here I go. I'm going to dive in. Um but uh, let's see, listening or watch, man, I haven't, I actually haven't watched a single fucking thing. My life has been so busy. I've been going to fucking weddings. I've been projecting. I've been fucking, I say it like it's multiple weddings. Um, I, mean, I don't know. It's just been, it's been a crazy like two weeks for me. Um, and it's like to the extent of where I, I it sucks. Like I just like, leave, like everyone just fucking leave me the fuck alone <laughs> and let me just sit on my couch and read and watch and listen to things. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have been listening to things because I've been out driving around, and uh, I've been listening to the new. Uh, it actually came out today. It's the new uh, record by Heavenward. It's uh, his first full length called Pyrophonics. Um, I've had it for a little while now, um, but like I say, today today it came out officially. Okay. And uh, the fucking uh, you know I know you've heard a bunch of the songs off yeah. of it already. Like all those all the singles that have been dropping are all awesome. But uh, you know it's fucking great, dude. So um, 
yeah, check that shit out. It's kind of, kind of, I don't know. How would you describe it? I mean, like, based on the single, the singles, there was kind of like, you know, they definitely had the one song that was very, very Catherine Wheel. Mm-hmm. Like, very, very on-point Catherine Wheel. And then the next single was a little different. The The last single, I guess, because I, I, I didn't realize the full length of it come out. That last single was definitely kind of a little Deftones-y. Yeah. And like I and I was kind of and we talked a little bit about it when that single came out. And I was like, I kind of wonder how it's all going to work in context. And mm-hmm. from what you're sounding, it just all yeah, it's great. It, it's it all great. blends. It's like, you know, like there there's bands that kind of like want to jump around and like do like you know a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and like sometimes it's just too much. It's like it yeah. sounds like a comp rather than a band. And like I I kind of got the feeling like yeah, like there's some different influences but i i kind of wondered and i kind of got the feeling it was all going to flow together and sounds like it did totally yeah man um also just been ever since we saw uh no pressure i've just been listening to those two no pressure records and then uh and then the singer's other band story so far uh the what you don't see and proper dose mostly um man those records kick ass but just more fucking emo pop punk (laughs) i guess you could say and then uh and then i've also just been listening to the greatest punk record of all time on repeat which is of course never mind the bullocks by the sex pistols and uh no i'm well i'm i know i know you're being being serious serious. because you're say you've said that before i you're crazy if i mean you know i could name other records that i probably actually either like more or you know it's like the first two damned records or the, or the first three rather or i mean know. i i get it and i get why i just there's always been in the back of my mind that they were kind of like constructed as a boy band but with that can't, sa- you can't deny those songs and you can't deny the the perfect songs no i think they're good songs i don't revisit i mean yeah i i, I think i have a bias against like straight up british punk no, I mean what I'm what I'm saying about it is like you know it's like you know I like the damn, but I was never big in the Clash, never yeah. big in the Sex Pistols. Um, I'm trying to think of some uh, like I like the post punk bands better. Yeah, I I don't just like every few years I'll think like man I haven't heard Never Mind the Bullocks in a while and I'll throw it on and then I just will listen to it for months straight. It's just yeah. a perfect record. But uh, fucking that's about it, man. Like I say, I just I've been so damn busy that's like just driving around listening to music there. So. What you been up to? What have you been listening to? Well, read. I haven't read shit. I mean, why pretend? You know, my girlfriend's giving me two books that I, like, have sitting on my bedside, like, you know, tray, TV tray or whatever you want to call it. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to read tonight. And then I just watch shit on YouTube. So, um, for watch, I've been, for some reason, I've gone off the hip-hop deep dive of, like, things. And now I've moved on to kind of 80s and 90s pro wrestling which was probably the last time i watched it. i yeah. at no point will i try to watch current wrestling mm-hmm. just flat out like i don't it just doesn't work for me but like i still have a nostalgia probably because the way you and i grew up that like that era is like that's my shit um but before i kind of talk about that stuff i actually watched a documentary and it's you know it was actually because of um no pressure covering the green day song and it was on YouTube, and it came up. It was a full movie you watch free with ads. It was um, Turn Around, the story of the East Bay, which is, you know, East Bay was a big punk mecca, like, you know, Lookout Records and, like, Rancid and Green Day and, like, Crimshine and, like, all kinds of bands. And, like, I guess I knew it existed, but I hadn't seen it. And it was, it was pretty good. 
I think you told me you saw it in the theater, didn't you? Yeah, I saw it at the ArcLight. And I, it had a lot of talking. It had, like, a lot of the right talking heads. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just, like, you know, biased to, like, you know, one thing. It was, like, because the way that Berkeley, like, East Bay, like, Gilman Street scene worked, it was, like, it was a variety of different bands. You had, like, you know, things like Neurosis playing with, like, Operation Ivy and, like, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it was kind of cool. I feel like... It's like two and a half hours, and I kind of wanted it to be a little bit longer, but like you know, maybe it didn't need to be. Yeah. But it was entertaining. I mean, it definitely you know it was nice to talk about Crimshrine, which I think is one of the unsung like heroes of like you know punk records or punk in general, at least from that era. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I thought they were going to talk about Spaz and some of the power violence bands because they definitely did talk about Sticky, which Chris Dodge was in. Yeah. And, like, they definitely put Chris Dodge, Sticky, and Spaz. So, it's like, oh, maybe they'll just talk about it because, like, Fiesta Grande was a big thing that happened at Gilman Street. But they they kind of probably ended it at the right spot, which when Green Day and Jawbreaker and, like, bands like that got fucking huge and signed to major labels and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because you think about it in the that period of 90s, selling out was a really bad thing. And now I don't think it carries that same kind of... No, not at all. And I, I don't think it matters. But, like, that used to be, like... You can't listen to this band. It's sold out. And, like, in effect, Green Day, I mean, they sold, what, what, 10, 20 million records for Dookie? Yeah. They got fucking huge. Um, For the rest of the stuff I've been watching, it's been a lot of wrestling stuff. It, like, you know, I, I don't know how I went down this black hole, like how it went from hip-hop to pro wrestling, but it's just, like, YouTube algorithm. But um, there's a new season of Dark Side of the Ring, which, love that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I don't know. It's it actually made me go back and rewatch some of the previous seasons because it's like I got kind of the itch because it's like oh there's only like a couple episodes out now it's like I kind of watch more so been watching that um, also went back and watched some wrestling documentaries I kind of missed well one I knew about the other one I didn't know existed but it came out like I guess last year the first one was the resurrection of Jake the Snake which if you know about Jake the, I, as a kid Jake the Snake was one of my favorite wrestlers mm-hmm. it's like the wrestlers I liked from that WWF era. It's like Jake the Snake, you had Demolition, even though they were kind of the bootleg Road Warriors kind of thing. But, like, you know, Jake was, like, I don't know. He was just, like, he was the one guy that was, like, completely cerebral in a ring and, like, fucked you up without actually doing a move and they hit you with a DDT. I think, like, outside of Ric Flair, there might probably be more DDT references and Jake the Snake references in hip-hop than any other wrestler just because of, like, how cold and calculated was. And, like, I mean... There was another documentary that I actually saw in the theater. I forget what it was called, but it was like, it was the one where they had like, you know, Jake had smoked crack and was like really hard up. It was, um, what the hell's that name of that documentary? I think I might even saw it with you in the theater. Yeah, I definitely saw it. Was it like Beyond the Mat? Is that what it's called? I think it's Beyond the Mat is what I'm thinking of. So like, but this documentary is about like, basically Diamond Dallas Page, who famous, he got big during like the WCW NWO run. Like, he basically, I think, I don't know if he still wrestles, but I think he's pretty much retired, and he started, like, doing yoga and mental wellness stuff. And he was helping out a lot of the people that, like, helped him out. So he, like... DDP yoga. Yeah. And it's, like, I actually think it's kind of, like, one of the cooler pivots that for anyone to do. And, like, the documentary is about him helping Jake get, like in shape and get better Mm -hmm. and obviously a show when jake slips and that kind of stuff they also bring in scott hall aka razor ramon comes out too so it's like i don't know it's like it brought a tear to my eye because it's like people you saw as a kid who were like really 
in a bad way. And like, if you, you watch dark side, enough dark side of the ring, you know, a lot of people that got into the drugs and booze and that kind of stuff did not end well for professional wrestlers. Oh yeah. So it was kind of nice at the end of that story. Like both of those dudes kind of like got better, especially Jake mm-hmm. and like, you know, got to be in the WWF hall of fame or WWE or whatever the fuck they call it. Now the other documentary watching, I guess it came out last year is called woo becoming Ric Flair. Sorry. I had to do the woo like that. <laughs> I don't know how many O's that like that's that woo is the fucking first word in the documentary or the first word of the title. So it's a documentary about Ric Flair and like, God damn, it's like, there's a reason why I probably, I know everyone's going to say Hulk Hogan. I think Ric Flair might be like the greatest wrestling personality ever. He's great. I mean, just, I mean the dude fucking like in a way he's like, he's like rap culture now. Yeah. Think about how many songs, like, you know, just outside of Griselda, who, like, you know, have a lot of pro wrestling stuff. Like, think how many songs have, like, references or sound clips from Ric Flair and all oh, yeah. that. I mean, he was in rap videos. Yeah. You know? Like, it, but, like, the, the story of him is that, like, he was living that lifestyle. Like, he was spending money. He, like, in that documentary, he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I bought four tailored suits a week because I couldn't wear the same shit on TV. Yeah. And then he's just, like, got the drip, and he's, like, just drinking, partying. Like, the fact that he, like, nearly died, like, three times. Like, not just, like, ooh, I almost died. Like, in a plane crash, had his back broken, not going to wrestle again, wrestled. Yeah. Got fucking struck by lightning. <laughs> like, hit his umbrella and then killed the guy behind him. Whoa. Yeah, that that's insane. And then, like, he had organ failure and lived. Fuck. And got better. And still fucking drinks and like parties and all that. It, it, I mean, it's just insane because it's like, it's a dude that basically created a persona and like became the persona. It's not like, you know, like Papa Shango or something like that guy eventually came, became the Godfather. I forget what his real name is, but like, you know, some people had gimmicks. It's not like, you know, Coco Beware is going to always have the parrot with him or whatever. But Ric Flair became that guy and just never stopped being that guy. Right. But, eh, I mean, I I don't, I mean, next week I'll probably be on some other fucking deep dive. Like, I wonder if Randy Savage would wake up in the morning and be like, ooh. (laughs) You know, that, you know. Elizabeth. (laughs) Like, just fucking elbow dropping the mailman. Or, like, if he goes to a fucking coffee shop, he's doing that creamer bit. The cream cream always rises in, like, you've seen that promo with him. Yeah. God damn. Fucking cocaine must have been wild in the 80s. But yeah, I, 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 by the time we record another podcast, I'm probably be on some other fucking deep dive for no reason other than I'm procrastinating. I, I have fucking articles for the cinematic void zine. I got to finish. I got like, Oh yeah, dude. I got to fix the cinematic movie because one of the movies I put in there, I had the movie set up. I had it all ready to go. It's like, I got it done early. And like, I guess like one of the movies got a copyright or some got a copyright and the video got blocked. So I got to like redo it and re-upload it. Mm-hmm. So I'll be doing that after this. I don't know. It's, I don't know. I've, I've been procrastinating and I've just been watching like dumb shit. And cool. I feel like I need to watch stuff that's more involved and more. Sometimes you got to take a break from watching 30 Giallos a month so you can watch a couple of wrestling documentaries. Well, I mean, it's I, all good. I'll tell you what, I've actually started discipline. I will not watch a Giallo outside of January now. <laughs> I mean, that's not true. I have, but like, I. It's like they're, you know, for years I would watch them. I would watch a lot of them and stuff like that. And it's just like I'm trying to watch other things. You've pretty much seen them all at this point. Uh, there's a few that I haven't, but like, 
eventually I will. Eventually I'll see every Giallo ever made. Yeah. From like 1966 to like. You should make whatever. that letterbox list of every Giallo ever made. There, there's and, people and who made them, but then they also include the Neo Giallo and then like, you know. because yeah, Strictly adhere to the, the rules, man. Yeah. Even those, like, giallo book guides that list all the giallo... Like, there's things not in there because they're like, well, it was produced in... Like, Spain was the main producer, even though it was the Italian director. It's not a giallo... Like, that kind of stuff. Like, it's kind of hard because, like, it depends... Depending on where the money comes from, you know? Because, you know, a lot of giallo films made in the 70s were, like... They were Italian-produced, but there was also money from Spain and Germany in there. And depending on, like, where the most money was... It's kind of what I mean, there's a lots of arbitrary stuff. All I know is Suspiria's not a giallo. There we go. Um, I guess for listen, I get uh, Outer Heaven dropped a new song this morning, which is it's on their forthcoming album. It's called Liquefi- Liquefied Mind. Fucking Rager, right on solid. I'm stoked for this record. So, I band rules, yeah. Um, also been listening to the um. Too Quick to Forgive single by the band Balance and Composure. I, really good. I, the the first song on the EP, I just, it's a, I just love it. I, I like the cool. other song too, but the first one is just like the one that's been grabbing me. Awesome. Um, Threw on some different stuff I hadn't listened to in a while. Um, Gasp, Drum Triller of Zoo People that came out originally on Slappingham Records. Mm-hmm. Going back to Chris Dodge and Spaz and all that Bay Area fucking, you know, music. I, it's like a power violence record, but it's also meet like free jazz and psychedelic and like yeah noise loops and stuff like that. It's probably one of the most adventurous records that came out, you know, from that genre and that label. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I like it a lot. I, I don't think it did well when it came out, but I feel like it's probably one of those like cult favorites now. Right. Well, it came. It came out. It, it came existing out th- in a scene that it didn't belong in. Kind of. You know what I mean? Like it was. It was kind of. I don't know. Now, being in California, maybe it was a totally different thing, seeing Gasp Live and stuff like that. But yeah. but it coming out on Slap a Ham, it's just like, well, it's not fast. Well, I mean, but that was at that point, they, they, like, they put out a Burning Witch record. And, right. like, yeah, true. And they, they, but they, but, but I think new... maybe the blur, I don't know, the, the, not not to do a deep dive on. Slap a Ham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But, you know, I could get into it. Uh, I, actually, <laughs> why not? Because uh, I got to leave in 10 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I'll talk a lot longer than that uh, about, be, to, about, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Slap a Ham on the next episode somehow. <laughs> we'll segue. We, this has been a wild episode. We've had two phone-ins and, like, <laughs> for an episode that was supposed to be like, this will be short. This is probably fucking longer than a regular episode. Uh, we'll just move off there. Uh, listen to the Destination by the band Heroin, 90s hardcore band, which came up. Incidentally, because um, recently I put the last Inspite record, the the only one that I I think we're in agreement that people should actually hear, which was eleven song EP called Only the Dead. I put it up there, and like I guess part of the Spotify algorithm, they put Heroin on there, and I'm like, that's weird. Yeah, I haven't listened to Heroin in like I couldn't tell you when, so I listened to that record, and I was like, cool. Um, guy in Heroin fixed my last guitar amp. Oh, shout out to him. Yeah, Andy. Yeah. Or maybe maybe he was an angel hair. He was in one of those. Yeah, I think it was heroin. Fuck, whatever. We'll, we'll okay. just we'll we'll just say heroin, <laughs> just just to make it make sense. Uh, and because I watched that um, turn around East Bay like documentary, I started listening a lot of Neurosis stuff. Neurosis has a very broad career. Obviously, Scott Kelly is not a very good person, 
But like, you know, I'd still like those Neurosis records. But that wraps up this episode of the Cinematic Boy Podcast. Special shout out to Leslie and Jim DeHaven for calling in or us calling them and adding them in. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. We'll have we'll be talking about Blue, Boutique Blu-rays coming up on the next episode. So keep your ears open for that. Uh, Nick's got to go meet someone for lunch. So until next time, see you in the void. void.